Chapter Twelve of The Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve, Home Again. Daddy, Daddy! Shouted Babs, scrambling through the morning room window at Cloverdale and tearing across the lawn. Here I am. What is it? Called Major Conway from the cricket pitch where he and Teddy were having a little practice. Have you seen Dash? Mummy and me's lost him. And we's rather afraid about the new chickens. No, he hasn't come this way," said her father, stooping to kiss the dear brown little face, which looked up so eagerly into his own. He could not help kissing Babs whenever he met her. She had such splendid fat cheeks and such a merry, laughing face altogether that it was irresistible. How the children did love being back at Cloverdale! And it was far nicer now than ever before, because father and mother at home were so much better and dearer and jollier than father and mother in India. Every single day was so happy, unspoiled by the curse of best frocks or gloves or even continual cleanliness. And Babs was almost intoxicated with the bliss of those long summer days after her year of life in London. Dash hasn't come this way, mummy. Called Babs as Mrs. Conway appeared in the distance, and then she started running towards her mother with all the speed of which her short, fat legs were capable. Then we must go and look for him in the poultry yard. I'm afraid he has gone there. I's afraid so too. And their fear was fully realized, for at the very entrance to the poultry yard lay a beautiful big chicken, quite dead. While Dash, with the innocent countenance dogs know so well how to assume. Sat gazing at the beauties of nature, evincing a slightly bored interest in the question as to how the best white chicken could possibly have met with its death. Oh, mummy! Gasped Babs, gazing with sorrow on the murdered fowl, and it looked as if it was just going to lay a little boiled egg. Never mind, darling, but it is really very naughty of Dash. Babs promptly made for the degenerate spaniel. But Dash had apparently just remembered an important engagement at the other end of the garden and hastened to fulfill it. Is anybody coming to lunch today? Asked Babs presently. Yes, a soldier friend of Daddy's. Soldiers aren't quite what I used to think when I was little, Mummy. Aren't they, dear? Why not? Well, you see, they kill fewer people and play games a good lot more than fighting. I know heaps of soldiers now. Uncle Charlie and Daddy and Uncle Jack, and the friend what is coming today makes four. But then you don't see them in battles, you know, Babs. No, said the child doubtfully. But Mummy, I think it's nicer to play games than kill people, and I are glad that Uncle Charlie and Daddy is that sort. Her mother laughed. I think Daddy and Uncle Charlie are the right sort too. The very rightest in the whole world, said Babs enthusiastically. This is my little girl," said Major Conway, introducing Babs to his friend just before luncheon. And how many of you are there? Captain Eardley asked her presently. Three, and the parakeet makes four," answered Babs quickly. And Teddy goes to school, but I have a governess. I can do lots of sums," she added proudly, adding and taking away ones. That is very clever of you," said the gentleman. It is not quite so clever as it might be," she confessed candidly. "Cause the last little girl what my governess taught could do borrowing afore she was six. But though I are rather backward in my lessons, I are very forward in my play." Teddy says. After lunch, Mrs. Conway and the children went out into the garden, and Teddy induced his mother to bowl to him for a little, 
but Babs, for some occult reason, returned to the dining room where the gentlemen were smoking. Run away now, Babs, said her father. Daddy, I'm afraid I can't, answered the child, with a flushed face but fixed expression. Major Conway was intensely surprised. Babs, he exclaimed, what do you mean? I feels I must stay, continued Babs, cause I want to so dreadful much. Her father did not care to prolong the contest or bore his friend with domestic discipline, so he proposed a game of billiards, and the gentleman walked off, leaving Babs standing in the middle of the room with crimson cheeks. "'I am sorry you are a disobedient little girl,' Major Conway said gravely as he went out and shut the door. After a few minutes' deliberation, Babs walked slowly down to the cricket pitch and stood looking on with so solemn a face that her mother's attention was attracted. "'Has anything gone wrong, Babs?' she asked quickly. "'Something has gone wrong,' answered Babs impressively. "'What is it, dear?' Babs looked bored. "'I think it is too difficult to tell you, Mummy.' "'Oh, no, my darling. Come and sit on my knee and whisper it.' "'I think I could tell it better from here,' said Babs, looking straight up into the sky. "'Very well, dear. What is it?' Babs continued gazing heavenwards and observed, "'I are naughty.' "'What kind of naughtiness?' asked her mother, surprised. "'The worst what there is,' replied Babs, with such earnestness as befitted so serious a confession. Mrs. Conway stifled a strong desire to laugh. "'And what is that? Tell me all about it.' "'Disobedience to Daddy,' continued Babs, becoming interested in the narrative. "'And he is very sorry about it. Not a nice, comforting kind of sorry, but rather a stern, solemn sorry.' "'Oh, Babs, and I hope you are sorry, too.' "'I think I shall be soon,' said Babs discreetly. "'But I can't be quite sure yet.' "'Well, dear, directly you are sure, I would go and tell Daddy if I were you.' "'It rained yesterday when I was out,' began Babs irrelevantly. "'Very hard drops of rain.' And then she picked up her hat and walked slowly away, swinging it by the elastic and talking aloud to herself to keep up her spirits. It is very hot today, and rather uncomfortable, too. I specs that's what makes my cheeks so thirsty. I will go and dig in my garden, and then I shall be quite happy. But digging in her garden even did not make Babs happy. It keeps getting uncomfortabler, she continued stopping to rest, and my old things aren't growing a bit nice, giving some precious radish tops a vicious smack with her spade. Perhaps they want water. It'll be jolly watering them with my watering can. But somehow even the watering can failed to charm. The water seems wetter than it generally is, she said crossly, stooping down to rub a big splash off her stocking, and then she kicked the can right over and stood gloomily watching the wandering streams of water on the path. Sakes alive, observed Giles, coming up at that moment. What a mess the child be making to be sure. What's the matter, little missy? he asked, seeing her disconsolate face. "'Nothing is the matter, Giles,' said Babs, drawing herself up. "'And I think you are very interfering to call my garden. What a mess!' Old Giles looked at Babs in amazement. "'My conscience alive,' he observed. "'You are in the tantrums, to be sure, and no mistake.' Babs flushed up to the roots of her hair. "'When people are very hot and uncomfortable, Giles,' she exclaimed, and other people will keep on talking so much it makes it very, very... 
racking her brains for a suitable epithet. Very beastly, indeed. My garden wanted watering badly, and in course I was obliged to tend to it. And Babs marched away, trying to look as dignified as a fat little girl in a dirty pinafore can. She went across the orchard and down the steps round the corner onto the lower lawn, where Major Conway was sitting alone in the shade. Oh! exclaimed Babs in surprise and then stood still. Babs, called her father, come here to me. Babs advanced slowly. She was a little in doubt as to how events would shape themselves. Babs, said Major Conway very gravely, have you anything to say to me? Babs looked up to the sky and down to the ground. I have something, but it is almost too hard to say now. I thought it might be easier after tea. It will be harder after tea. Try to say it now, little one. Oh, you speak just like Uncle Charlie then, exclaimed Babs, brightening a little. And I are sorry I was naughty, Daddy. That is right, said her father, lifting her on to his knee and kissing her. Now I are sorry, will you leave off being? Yes, Babs, and you will not be disobedient any more, will you? No, I won't. And do you know, I think it was you being sorry, and me not, what made things all so hot and uncomfortable? Yes, that was it. Well, I's good now, Daddy, kite good. Oh, here is Mummy come. Mummy! She shouted at the top of her voice. I have left off being naughty, and Daddy has quite forgived me. That's all right, cried Mrs. Conway, and as she came up to him, I shall soon be quite a cricketer. Even Teddy says I am improving in my bowling. We must have a match, said Major Conway. Oh, yes, cried Babs. You and I will play Mommy and Teddy. And then, as her brother scoffed at such a girlish idea, Daddy, I want to ask you something. Will you give me some little onyas for my garden? Some little what? Onyas. You have big onyas in your garden, and I thought I would like some little ones in mine. Her father and mother both laughed. Your garden looks rather sloppy, said Major Conway, regarding the damp plot. That's the naughtiness, remarked Babs truthfully. It made me rather overwater it, I think. That was a pity, said the Major. It was echoed Bab solemnly. There was great excitement at Cloverdale when Major Conway's big packing cases arrived from India. The relics of his sport there excited the children beyond all bounds and inspired Babs with most oriental pretenses. The garden became a jungle and every day full of thrilling adventures with tigers, elephants, or bears. She never went out without her little toy gun as a protection against these savage beasts and Major Conway was called upon to tell endless stories of the adventures he had met with in his life of sport in India. I have shot three tigers this morning, announced Babs one day at luncheon, and two of them was man-eaters. You had good sport then, said her mother, who always entered splendidly into the children's pretenses. I had. What shall you do with the skins? asked Major Conway. I shall send them to the British Museum, Daddy. My Indian servants is getting them kite ready now. That is all right. And did you see any other animals? I did. I saw a black panther creeping round the tool house, and four hyenas in the wood, sides a wild boar and a grey ape. Bab's imagination had always been active, 
but fed by her father's stories and her own recently acquired power of reading to herself, it grew much more luxuriantly. But Teddy's was fading fast, swamped by the glorious reality of cricket and the English boy's passion for games. Besides, he was a schoolboy now, and was quickly becoming the heartless, mindless, soulless creature which is generally to be found in preparatory and public schools. But he was a healthy, happy little fellow notwithstanding, and his father rejoiced in his good-length bowling and steady batting, which, after all, are so much more suited to schoolboy life and ambition than a thoughtful temperament or a vivid imagination. His mother laughed lovingly at his boyish brag, and even consented, at his earnest request, to allow the barber to cut the curling ends off his golden hair. So Teddy ceased to be a child and became a boy. "'I's been reading to myself,' said Babs, "'and was but a very sad thing.' "'What was it, darling?' asked Mrs. Conway. Babs seized upon any and every book she could find, and her parents loved to listen to her literary experiences. "'It was about a very good lady what was a martyr. "'What is a martyr, mummy?' Then, without waiting for an answer, "'And she was eat by lions in the amphitheater.' "'How dreadful!' exclaimed Mrs. Conway. "'Why are you laughing, Daddy? "'Cause it really was quite a solemn sad story.' "'Do you like sad stories?' her father asked her hurriedly. "'I like all the stories what was ever written,' replied Babs enthusiastically. "'I don't,' said Teddy, "'cause books are a sort of lessons, and lessons are all a fag.' "'You like games best, my son,' said his mother, smiling. "'Rather,' exclaimed Teddy, "'and cricket best of all, don't you?' "'Well, since I hurt my hands so much trying to catch that ball of Daddy's, "'I am not so fond of cricket.' "'for to tell the truth I am frightened of those fast balls.' "'Which are you most frightened of, Mummy? asked Babs, whose mind was still in the jungle. "'Fast balls or black panthers?' "'Fast balls just now, dear.' "'And I am. Teddy calls me butterfingers, "'but I really can't catch them "'cause they're so full of hurting.' "'That's just like a girl,' exclaimed Teddy scornfully. "'You are such a coward.' "'Oh, Teddy, I'm not.' You have to be quite as brave to kill and hunt wild beasts as to catch quick balls. But you don't kill wild beasts, exclaimed Teddy. That's only pretending. Bab stood aghast at this heresy. I shouldn't be at all surprised if you has to be eaten by that pack of wolves what I saw in the plantation this morning, she said loftily. Stuff and rubbish, answered Teddy rudely. Babs, Babs, called her mother. Here is a letter for you from Uncle Charlie. Oh, how splendid! But, Mummy, I do wish Uncle Charlie would come here soon instead of writing. Uncle Charlie and me miss each other very bad. Yes, dear, I know. But neither Mrs. Conway nor anyone else knew how much the captain missed his little niece. Babs left an empty room in the house in Onslow Square, but Aunt Eleanor soon filled that with smart clothes and new dresses and was glad of the space and Babs also left an empty room in Uncle Charlie's life. Her room, which could not be filled by racehorses or polo ponies or club friends, or any of the gaieties of former London seasons. A quiet dark room wherein lay a few dusty toys and baby memories, yet Uncle Charlie chose to live in it rather than in the glaring, gas-lit atmosphere which was Aunt Eleanor's native air. And, as he waited alone in this empty room, Charlie Conway's eyes grew accustomed to the darkness, 
and he saw, for the first time in his life, as the legacy that Babs had unconsciously left him, the outline of the ideal. End of chapter 12 End of The Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler Recorded by Céline Major.